everybody. This is So Many Sequels. I'm Josh. I'm Andrew. I'm Garrett. And I'm David in yeah. bass. Oh, I like that. Ooh. That beefy bass, yeah. David. Yes. Yes, with the bass, bass boosted, You're David. Bringing it in low. Narrate us to sleep, Daddy. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, all right. Um, so you got to give the people what they want. Give the people yeah. what they want. You just need to read a... Do do some audiobooks right now. Record some audio books. Hey, please, please stop down there. Sorry. Sorry. He's already here. Say hello, everybody. Oh, Hello, everybody. Hello, video watchers. That might now be on Spotify as well, right? You know, they're experimenting with all kinds of weird stuff. You you might see one of our recent episodes if you listen on Spotify. It might give you a video. Um, That's pretty cool. Who doesn't want to see these four faces? And five. I don't think there's anyone who doesn't want to see us. Um, Which is why we're here this week. To talk about another new movie. Um, if you've been if you've been following the show, you know, typically you'll know that we just finished up our um, <laughs> our Halloween series. That's true. Which is which was fun, and now we're back into normal, regularly scheduled programming with a review of Marvel's Eternals. This, like most new movies we reviewed this year, was a victim of the pandemic in that it was. Delayed mightily, but it's finally out now. Um, this is the third Marvel movie we've gotten this year after Black Widow and uh, Shang-Chi. So very exciting uh, time period for Marvel fans, I think. Eternals is a new set of characters when it comes to the film universe. Um, and, I, I, you know, my understanding is they're quite the deep cut from the comics as well. So a lot, a lot of casual fans may not know about them. I surely sure didn't. Um, so this is branching out into new territory once again. Um, a lot of, a lot of big stars in this movie, obviously Angelina Jolie, a huge, um, kind of classic movie star. She's been, she's been a movie star for a long time. Um, and then you've got others, uh, like, um, oh, Camille Nanjiani, Brian Tyree Henry, um, Kit Harrington. From Game of Thrones fame, yeah, Salma Hayek, uh, directed by Chloe Zhao, who um, recently directed the Academy Award-winning uh, *Nomadland*. So, a lot, lot going into this. Um, how? Uh, who wants to start? Was given some first impressions of uh, how you felt about *Eternals*. So, I didn't really care for it. Okay. Oh yeah. I didn't really care. I didn't really care for it, and the reason why is because it's it almost felt a little bit too bland. I don't know why. The story was just kind of bland, and it's like, given that we've had that we have the Avengers, and given that we have you know this uh, the Avengers take on things, you know, like especially within the MCU, I feel like this is almost another Avengers rehash. And my problem with it is, is that it's just like it doesn't I, it's like to the point where it's just not surprising anymore. Yeah, there were twists in it. There were things that like there were things that caught my attention. There were things that I uh, there were some funny parts in it. But overall, I just thought that this was just kind of weak. It was just kind of meh. like it's fine. It's not a bad movie, but just kind of meh. 
Okay. Okay. First impression um, from Andrew. Uh, starting out, uh, meh. Uh, meh. I'll go second. I just saw it yesterday, and you know, nice. I thought it was a. I thought it was fairly thoughtful for uh, for especially for you know what you can you think about in terms of Marvel movies. There was a lot of, uh, you know, it was very high concept in a lot of ways. There's a lot of different ideas being thrown about. Uh, there's a lot of different storylines. You know, you got ten main characters or ten uh, featured characters in the movie, and so uh, they they found the best way I think they could to sort of give everybody a little bit of time to shine. It's kind of different than, say, in Avengers Infinity War Endgame where you got two and a half hours and you got like 50 characters. And, you know, I mean, a lot of people walked out going, you know, after Infinity War going like, man, uh, that character was barely in it. Oh, this character was barely that character. You know, like, I feel like everybody got a, a, a moment or two to shine in this. You know, it was kind of, a, I would say, more slowly paced in a lot of ways than your traditional Marvel movie. And that might do that. That might be from getting someone uh, like Chloe Zhao, who's uh, this isn't the first time they've got an Academy Award winning director or a more artistic director to come in for a Marvel movie. But I kind of thought that uh, this was along the lines of a bit more artsy of a Marvel movie and didn't really have the same snap that I think you get from uh, other films. Uh, Whereas in the past, directors like uh, like a Taika Waititi or a uh, oh, I'm trying to even think of who, who's right. You know, a, a Ryan Coogler come in, and they really seem to 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 play well to the action component. This one really didn't. Uh, it, it's like they didn't care too much about the action aspect. Um, but I thought that you know it was. Uh, I thought that the the performances were all fine. I thought it. Uh, you know, it was bland on color, uh, but I thought that for the most part, you know, is is visually very interesting at times. I liked a lot of the uh, a lot of the the effects. I love the idea of like an immortal group of people sort of living through time. I, I think that they explored that. Um, they could have explored that in in in, in better ways, I think. Sure. But uh, but yeah, I, I would say that it was it was uh, it was different. It wasn't uh, quite what you expect. And I'm not sure where exactly I land on it overall. That's the way that I've felt until recently, I think, where I think I've I've talked myself into thinking that it is a good start, right? Like, yeah, everything that I see for the most part um, from, well, it depends on who I read from. But, you know, a lot of it says that it doesn't feel like a Marvel movie. Um, and I definitely agree with that. And I think that the the problem that I initially had was that there are so many and because it is so such a deep cut and they set it up differently than, than normal. It's, it's character building. Like you're being introduced to the backstory of these people because we don't know. Right. And the more that I think about it, I kind of look at all of the things that it has potential for (laughs) to where I feel like we could look at it in the future as very similar to age of Ultron where age of Ultron, not the, not a great movie, but it does set up a lot Um, And we're kind of, if you look at where we're moving with Marvel is there's semi, I don't think they're pivoting away from Avengers, but like those characters haven't done anything in a while since in game, they're kind of going away. So they're setting up various different things. Um, It's not just going to be Avengers. And I think they're trying to, to set up two different things that can come back together. And so this can be for a different audience, but they lay down, you know, hints for blade. They lay down a whole lot of expansive stuff 
in this movie. And I think we're going to get more of these characters in other movies as we go out. Cause I've also been trying to think is like, how are they going to, to keep this going? Because the Eternals as a group seems like it only makes sense together. And they only are needed whenever this big celestial being or whatever is being birthed. That's, that's essentially when they come out. And so you don't need them. And now that this seems to be over, you've got the one that's going around, but I think you'll see them pop up in other people's movies and be characters leading up to them, kind of tying it that way. Um, and I also feel like this movie feels differently because these characters are different. They're very, they remind me a lot of DC characters because they are very godlike. Yes. Uh, whereas most Marvel characters have a connectability to real characters, even Thor. Um, you know, you look at how Thor has evolved. You, you you go back and look at the early Thor movies and and those aren't necessarily people's favorites. And it feels different because he is a god. And now he's more of a regular guy. But these these characters, again, are very godlike. Icarus is basically Superman. And they have that same kind of, of setup and uh, feeling that you get from watching a Justice League. And I think that is also why it may feel different. So I think they did a lot of different things. I'm super intrigued by the character work that they did. The story itself, not necessarily my favorite, but I think there's a lot of potential and that's what I'm looking forward to. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I don't necessarily think this is one of their strongest ones, but I think it has a, be, or has a potential to be a good uh, web laying for the future. Yeah, I, I agree with that because like, I, I think about the middle of the movie, about the middle of the movie, I was, my my first reaction really was, this is the most DC MCU movie ever. It feels, it feels a lot like DC. I don't know why. It's just, it's got that DC feel to it. And I don't it's, think it's, it's the blandness, I think. It's the blandness. And that's, and I think that's where that comes in. It's not, I don't think it's Chloe Zhao's fault, but, um, but anyway, sorry. Yeah, I can't stray too far from a lot of these opinions. And, you know, it makes sense um, considering that um, <clears throat> this has been a very mixed review type movie. Um, it is the first and only Marvel movie that has a rotten score on Rotten Tomatoes um, with a lot of common themes being that it is uh ambitious but falls flat uh that it's a bit boring but that also it is very long and yet somehow seems to contain a lot of exposition um to the point where it almost feels rushed at times those are just some of the some of the quick takes that that I was reading in reviews and I think I think it makes a lot of sense you know there's there's probably too many eternals there's probably too many characters for a single movie mm-hmm. to uh to lift them all up for a team I don't know. I'm not a movie maker. Uh, well, so now. I'm oh. sure someone can do it. Well, fair, but <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. there's a lot of names on the poster and it may, it reminds me of several years back when Marvel was developing a film of uh, the inhumans that then got kind of uh, demoted to a one-off uh, miniseries that aired on ABC that was in Not Good and Quickly Forgotten. And it makes me wonder if maybe The Eternals would have been better as a different type of project. Yeah, um, maybe. 
maybe it would have served better as a series. I don't know because it it, it, it just wasn't a lot of excitement in it uh, for me. In fact, when it ended, I was surprised that it was ending because the final battle seemed very much not huge, like a big deal, like usual. Yeah, like this, like it was. Yeah. And then um, it just kind of ends on a kind of a lackluster cliffhanger in a way where this like, you know, spoiler alert. This this big bad is like, well. Uh, yeah, I guess if you have a good time on this planet, I'll judge it later. So yeah. bye, and it's then a, it ends. A, it has a kind of a Mortal Kombat. It has a Mortal yeah, Kombat. Yeah, yeah. Where the big guy, can you please? Hey, please, can you? Uh, <laughs> he has a lot to say. Guy, you know. Um. Yeah. I mean the the most exciting part of the movie to me was uh was was the killer uh, post credit scenes. Uh, the mid credit scene and the post credit scene were awesome, and they were better than most the most of the movie. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I don't. You know, I I hear the thing about too many characters. I actually I don't think there was. I think it worked out for me because they didn't yeah, that's, like. That's fine. Because I think they what they did was they branched them off in like groups a lot of the time. Like they weren't. That ever, did help. There, there were very few times where they were all together. But I think that there was. I think if I had to point at a few problems I had. Because I don't think it's necessarily a bad film. I just think it didn't. Right. I don't know. It just didn't rise to certain expectations, which normally I try to walk in with low expectations anyway. Right. But I, I think there was a little too much grandiose going on at times. There mm-hmm. was a little too much of like people all like standing and preening, you know, mm-hmm. and and trying to look like they were like great. I feel like the there was a lot of there was a lot of things that, that there's a lot of fat that could have trimmed. I honestly think that for me, one of the biggest distractions and one of the biggest turnoffs was just the design of the deviants these Mm. monsters that they're fighting they just kind of didn't register as like anything they just look like weird green blob monsters in a lot of ways so i I was just watching and just being like don't this this threat doesn't and like the the big threat was that these things eat people it wasn't like that they they necessarily they didn't seem like that big a threat the deviants and so when they eradicated them and like 500 B, 1500 BC or AD or whatever, you're thinking to yourself like, oh, all right. it's, uh, it's, I don't know. It just, um, I, I felt like this movie is is meant to answer a lot of like questions going all the way through the MCU, like all the way through history. And I love the idea of seeing them kind of moving through history, but I feel like they could have focused on that a bit more on the sort of evolution of these characters through time as opposed to just constantly flipping back and forth between present day and the specific moment we need to reference for the movie you know what i mean it was like it was like they'd have a fight and then they'd reference the exact moment that they need to reference and then they they they'd do their scene for a while and they go back to you know 500 500 bc and they go back to this back to that so i, I don't know it wasn't hmm. i do i did like you said i dug the postcard scenes uh, I wish I feel like I, I feel like I knew about Harry Styles being rumored for something, but then he showed up and I was like, that's Harry Styles. And I yeah, was like, I, I, I didn't. I, I, I gasped because uh, he's Harry Styles is a big deal uh, in yeah. the world of pop culture um, and kind of a fledgling actor. Um, yeah. He he uh, was in Dunkirk. Dunkirk and I think he's done a couple of small things, but to bring Harry Styles into the MCU is is a choice, um, a big choice. 
Because you don't bring in someone of that caliber if he's not going to play a significant part of the future, you know? So that, what? Sorry, no, go ahead. I was going to say that um, choice alone is, brings in a level of excitement because you're like, okay, uh, so he's going to be an important part of the overall story going forward. Um, He plays Thanos' brother, uh, his Clearly younger, much more handsome brother. <laughs> Jerry. Yeah, there was a... Jerry. Jerry, Jerry Thanos. Thanos. Comic, uh, from terms of the comics, I don't really know how they're going to adapt this for the movies, but... Oh, and then his uh, uh, Harry's Harry Styles' little friend was voiced by Patton Oswalt. I know. You know, when I, when I heard him at first, I was like, it sounds like Patton Oswalt. And then he kept going, I was like, hmm, but maybe it's not Patton Oswalt. Yeah. And then when it finally... So, uh, so Patton Oswalt is playing a character called Pip the Troll. And there was a lot of rumors pre-Endgame that Peter Dinklage was paying Pip the Troll. Uh, and that, that went the other way. He played somebody else. He played a, a big dwarf. Um, right. There's a, a, you know, Thanos in the comics is uh, is an eternal uh, with a deviant gene. Uh, that's his, that's part of his his thing in the comics. But it'll be interesting to see how they spin that because they kind of made it sound like the planet Thanos was on was, it didn't make, they didn't make it sound like Thanos was an eternal. But maybe he was, and that was his weird plan. He was like, got to save this. Maybe he was trying to prevent more celestials by cutting the populations in half. Yeah. They did that. So my other thing is this movie's super standalone. Like, other it than is. casual references to things, I feel like you could watch this and not really feel like you were getting a lot of other movies spoiled for you. They mentioned no. that Thanos' snap uh, gave the world more time, gave Earth more time before this emergence. But other than that, I don't feel like you'd feel like uh, you missed much if you came in on this. Like Garrett said, I think this movie will probably have more significance in the future. Because if you watch, you know, everything that they've done, you watch WandaVision, you watch uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, you watch Loki. uh, They and even like uh, the post credit scenes in in Shang-Chi, they are setting up clearly some big global, like not global like cosmic thing, like bigger than bigger than potentially even infinity war. And so this, this ending here, this sort of cliffhanger ending, I think is going to have big ramifications in the future. So I don't know where there may not be an Eternals too, but where these characters pop up again, they will pop up, you know, because Marvel's always been sure of one thing. We may not necessarily get a second movie, but we've introduced the character so we Mm -hmm. can keep going with that. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I could see it going either way in terms of an Eternals 2 versus just pulling them into other movies. Um, I, yeah, I think either one could work. And and hopefully, you know, with them establishing the characters, because even if there's even if there is an Eternals 2, I would guess that these characters will show up in other movies before that comes out. And so hopefully laying that groundwork would make an Eternals 2 um, a little more appealing. Because I, I, I just I feel like I walked out of that movie like not really feeling attached to any particular characters. Yeah. Uh, like I, I mean, typically do at a Marvel movie um, and just feeling yeah. kind of, you know, it, it's almost hard. It, it's hard because it's I, I agree with what you said, David. It's not a bad movie, but it is like, well, that happened, I guess. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm gonna have to pray on this, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do a little little reflecting journal about it, you know, because like I said, you know, like 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 I said, you know, 
five Marvel movies from now, we may look back and go like, man, we didn't realize all the stuff that they were really setting up here. I, you know, I appreciate. Yeah, I hope so. I appreciate that that Chloe that the Chloe Zhao. Or, uh, um, sorry, is that how you say your name? Yeah, Chloe Zhao. Yeah. Yeah. And and Marvel, they took the opportunity here. This is why there was some some backlash to this movie to uh, to forward some diverse ideas. You know, you got a very you got a very diverse cast, and you got um, uh, you got LGBT representation, and I think done very tastefully. Yeah. Uh, and and you got a character in Sprite who is this sort of very conflicted character that um uh is either uh sees themselves as a girl although i w- i'm not really sure we're gonna try or not but you also got a deaf uh character for the first time as well so i think that there there was a lot of there was a lot of effort going in to make you know, this a very unique marvel movie mm-hmm. and it was you know every now and then you take an experiment it's kind of it's, it's it is strange to me that critically this is performing uh the way it is because you would think that that's the kind of thing that critics have been saying Marvel should do for years is something more, more thoughtful and less punchy. Yeah. And I think that's why a lot of the, the critique is that it is ambitious. It just doesn't really work. Sure. Um, you know, praising the ambition behind it, but wishing it had come together a little better. Um, Cause there are a lot of interesting characters in there. And I do think it is interesting to note how um, audiences overall are reacting to this compared to critics because it is a much more positive reception. I'm trying to find the, the score, but I can't uh, at least right off the top of my head. Um, but, you know, I, I think that for me, again, I, I have, yeah, it's a 4680 difference. Um, 4680 on um, the audience score. And I think that it is because there is such diversity in the storytelling and the casting and how they handle it. Um, and so I, I I am very intrigued by the dynamic because I, I am on a upwards trajectory as I think about it more. Um, I'd like to see it again, just to kind of, you know, re-experience it. Um, but yeah, it doesn't necessarily, it's going to be interesting to see how they tie everything back in because right now we don't have a story. Remember before we had a big giant MCU, we just had a bunch of, uh, standalone movies. Right. And so now we are so used to, wondering how does this tie in how is it going to work and like we know they're going to but perhaps this movie is doing what it's meant to do as a storytelling mover right like we as audience members have no idea what's coming we have a lot of different little things that they are setting up but we don't know where it's going and so i think a lot of what we are doing is assuming and 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 you know taking our own projections onto it and, and trying to think like Marvel. And so I think that, again, the thing that I have also said is that I liked this movie and it is a good movie, but there was something that didn't connect. And, and part of me wonders if it is because that is an intentional storytelling piece that they just have to handle right now in order to yeah. tell the bigger story that they're telling. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, what well, a lot of people leave um you know things like dune or um the lord of the rings trilogies because they are not finished movies either um and so those are not standalone movies they are telling a bigger story so i think that there is potential that that really is the case with this we'll only know down the line but right. i think that it's important to remember that marvel does tell a bigger story and right now we as audience members have nothing right now they're setting up a new story so we don't know where it's going 
Yeah, I, just, I think that the issue for critics is that it should uh, the movie should be able to do both. It should be able to 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 be an enjoyable movie on its own. Yeah, because like, but I, I argue that it was because most people seem to be enjoying it. Yeah, there's the audience score is much higher than the the critic score, and that I don't know. It's kind of curious because you know it's an interesting idea, but I also yeah, it's hard to say. Because like like yeah, Marvel, it, it, Marvel's been able to pull it off before. I mean, you even look at like you look at like Shang Chi. That was a blast of a movie. Whether they were yeah. ne- if, if if they never made Shang Chi two, Shang Chi one would still be a blast, you know. Whereas you know, I don't know if they may never make another Eternals movie and the Eternals never show up again. We'll all just look at it and go, "Man, oh, what a weird movie they did that one time." Yeah, I do agree. But, it does have potential to become very inhumansy in the lore, um, but I I am. I am optimistic. I think that's where I fall. I didn't think it was a bit. I thought I did think it was a bit overlong. You know, I, I feel like uh, it's funny to think too, because like it was just going and going, and I thought to myself, like it didn't feel like it was necessarily two and a half hours in the moment. But when I pulled my phone out at the end of the movie, I went, oh, "Whoa!" Like the entire day yeah. gone. So <laughs> yeah, I don't know what you got. Anything else? I, I truly don't have anything else to add about the movie. Yeah. Pretty, pretty much my opinion has been said. So, and I agree with all y'all. Um, how much time we got left, Josh? Uh, not much. Well, you know, we're on track. We're on track. Yeah. I'm sorry. Hang on. Talk amongst yourselves. Yeah, I think that um, it is, you know, we've got what what is coming up next? I can't remember. Is it Spider-Man is the next one? Spider-Man is the next one. You know, I, I really do. It's going to be interesting to see what they do. I really do think that with them breaking up um, at the end, they will definitely pop up in more movies. I also wonder what they're going to do with Sprite because she is mortal now and theoretically doesn't have her powers so is she even helpful in any way shape or form i also wonder these eternals and the deviants you know they were built with a purpose from these bigger celestials that are growing in the planets right their whole purpose is to fight with each other and stir chaos and then cause tension on the planets thus building the energy needed to create these beings to eventually destroy the planet and whatnot right they learn that they're built on purpose for this purpose. So my question is, they have been told that their life, they can't intervene unless a deviant is involved. And so I I guess my main question is, do we think that their godlike powers are for everything? Or is it specifically for the reason that they are built? Because then again, you set it up like a Superman situation where why do you even need the Avengers if these godlike things are here who can just take care of everything so easily? I think it's just, you know, it's like a religious code, more or less. You know, it's just they're they're forbidden and they can recognize when the situation doesn't call for their actions, you know. And you can tell that for them, it's a struggle. Right. But that's what I'm saying is eventually they've reached a point now where if something else comes up, they have a whole new different belief system because of how their thought process is. So the question I have is, do their godlike powers continue and they can just hurt everything and everything and kill everything with ease? And do you even need the Avengers or do they find out that their powers are deviant specific and that they are faced with the mortality that they didn't know? I think they're probably, I think they're probably, uh, 
keeps working. I, I don't know if you wouldn't need the Avengers so much. You know, we get a reference where Kingo says that he knows Thor. He met Thor before, you know. So I think, you know, uh, certain Avengers you're always going to need, you know. And uh, just because, you know, and really, I mean, some of their strongest already got taken out. So um, we didn't talk about some of the. I, I, uh, we'll have to do like a, we need to do like a second part of this. Where we can talk about uh, Gilgamesh, my favorite. Um, anyhow, um, sorry, we're all dying over here. Uh, um, <laughs> Sounds pitiful. Yeah. So I I don't know. I was trying to think of one other thing to mention. I can't think of anything. Well, let's mention the box office. Yeah. Let's let's move forward then. Uh, Eternals open to uh, I think. Let me make sure this is right. Yes, seventy one million dollars in its opening weekend, and uh, which is pretty good. Uh, was going up against Dune and um venom things like that and it's second weekend this weekend here it brought in 27 million so just a little under 50 percent or a little over 50 percent um drop uh and uh, clifford the big red dog slumped in there to that second spot love uh, that you know uh it is it has been a, a the, the movies that have managed to win during the pandemic have been the big franchise films your your top movies for the year our thing are shang chi Eternals, Quiet Place 2, uh, um, Dune as well, um, Venom. You know. So uh, it's been a big year for the franchise. The franchises are keeping the box office going. Um, you know, I, was, I was showing Josh that we, um, uh, in terms of the year, we are better at this point this year than all of 2020. We're over a billion dollars at the box office better than we are at all of 2020. So uh, on an average year in the past, the box office was averaging about 10 to $11 billion collectively, all movies collectively, about $11 billion a year. In 2020, it went down to $2 million, or $2 billion, excuse me, $2 billion. So that's a, that's a massive drop. Uh, this year, we're probably going to round out with a, either somewhere between $3.8 billion and $4 billion. That's a, that's a, a rebound. I wouldn't say it's a massive rebound, but a rebound. Uh, it'd be very interesting to see if Next year, we're looking a little healthier. Maybe we can get it. Maybe we can get it up there into yep. the eight, nine region. So be cool. I'll it's going to be that. a long. It's going to be a long process for the box office to fully recover um, from the pandemic. Uh, yes. Of course, we got to keep uh, getting the the COVID under control. That's true. And you know how to do that. That's all I'll say. That's true. <laughs> Um, okay, well, letter, letterbox game. Then let's uh, let's see how the letterbox community has scored this movie. Who is running the game this week? I believe Andrew did it last time. Um, I think David won. I think, I think I won. Uh, yes, David did. Yeah, that makes that. Yeah. I will get up here real quick. Sorry. Oh, hello. <laughs> Sorry about that. All right, I may I may lose camera function for a minute here. All right. Well, All right. Our poor YouTube audience. Your guess is ready. Okay. I am ready when you are. So here we are. This is the letterbox game. We go to our favorite site, letterbox, and we all take turns, except for me, guessing the uh, score on letterboxd. It is a one to five scale. Who wants to go first? I would go with 2.8. A 2.8, yes, for me. Low one, lowy, lowy. I'm going to go with uh, 3.1. Mm, I'm gonna go a little bit higher. I got a 3.3. 3.3 3 from Garrett. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I can say with all confidence that this time the winner is 
Garrett, as the current score on Letterboxd as of his second weekend, is a 3.4. I just closed the app, so I don't have the reviews, but I did look at one, and it called the movie Frictionless, which is an interesting way of looking at it. You know, that movie did seem very smooth. It it glided very well. It didn't have, and I think that goes with, you know, with a Marvel movie, you kind of expect a lot of herky-jerky explosions, fighting, action, and everything was very, again, elegant and epic and pretty. And again, I think you get that. That's, I think, why it adds to that DC feeling that also feels like the things that they do in, like, Justice League and stuff. You know, the way and that the, it was shot reminded me of how those DC movies are shot. You know, and the one major conflict really doesn't, uh, it kind of comes along as little surprise, you know, or, or and there's like no uh, pomp to it, you know. Uh, you know, who thinks that the good looking white guy is going to turn out to be evil? Yeah, that's um, pretty stunning. No, I'm actually quite bad. shocked. Because, you know, Garrett, I, I didn't want to bring this up because you have this conversation all the time about trailers and how trailers are so misleading. You don't want to watch them anymore. I was convinced the bad guy of this movie was Angelina Jolie in, yes. love, with a, in love with a deviant. Mm-hmm. The trailers, that's the story they sold me on. And that didn't happen. In fact, that talking deviant was barely in the movie. Yeah. Right, so, right, 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 right. Uh, Gilgamesh. Love that dude. Train to Busan. Get that guy in more movies. <laughs> yeah, sure. he was great. All right. Well, let's let's wrap up here. What are what are our scores for the movie? I will start by giving it um, a. I, I think I'm going to um, be con- be generous with a three. Mm. I settle with three. You know, I'm going to be a little extra generous. I'm going to give it a three and a half. I also will give it a three. Well, then that's like a 3.25. Yeah, which is pretty right on. Yeah, it's pretty close to to what Letterboxd said. Uh, Okay, well, thanks for uh, joining us for this discussion of Marvel's Eternals. Uh, hopefully you have seen that. I was going to say go see the movie if you haven't, but we kind of spoiled it for you. Yeah, definitely put um, Which is just common if you listen to movie podcasts. I don't know why I feel the need to say it, but watch the movie first. Um, we'll be back next week with another episode for you. Uh, we're getting close to doing our Christmas uh, annual Christmas series, so excited! get excited for that. Uh, otherwise, you can find us online at sequels.com. We've got all of our links there, so you can subscribe in the podcast app of your choice or the videos on YouTube. Uh, so we'll see you next time. Bye.